ബിസ്മില്ലാഹിറഹ്മാനിറഹീംസ്ലാമിക്കും And I'm joined with my co-host as always, Naki Rizvi. Naki, how are you doing, bro? Everything good? I'm doing good. How are you? Alhamdulillah, man. Alhamdulillah. Can't complain, man. Alhamdulillah. And as I mentioned in our first episode, uh, our group, the Poets of the Household, is a team. And we're a group of brothers uh, who came together because of our love for the Ahlul Bayt and our love for poetry in their prayers. And I also mentioned in the previous episode that in upcoming episodes, Naki and I... would introduce members of our group and today we have one of those members with us today so naki want to do us the honors and introduce our group member our brother who's joined us today yeah so our esteemed guest today is uh, none other than turab rizvi or as many of you guys might know him from instagram as words by turab a uh, mm-hmm. funny story i actually uh, didn't know turab was uh, from canada when i when i started following him on instagram i really liked his poetry and one day i randomly just messaged him and asked him hey where do you where do you, where do you, where do you live and he said oh i'm from canada that's okay we're from canada he said mm-hmm. toronto and then we ended up finding out where we live like 5 minutes apart nice. so um yeah it was a funny story and i'd i'd like durab to introduce himself and maybe talk about a little about about how his journey has been so far into poetry and 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 how it's like how it's been with the group as well For sure. Assalamu alaikum everyone. So as you guys know now I'm Tarab Rizvi. Um more words about Tarab. And um yeah, journey into poetry has been pretty crazy. Like you guys heard Nucky say that whole story like it's a small world, man. Like the biggest thing I've learned with poetry is that everyone is so connected, especially through all the globalization. Like it's amazing, especially through Instagram and all that. But to keep it to the question um the way i got into poetry originally uh i guess i have to go back to high school so mm-hmm. a lot of people around me listen to music and stuff and just for fun we'd be spinning freestyles and things like that and it turned out i was pretty good at it so i was like hey man i got a talent you know like i don't know i don't want to make music and do all this haram stuff but it's there so what do i do now and then i was always around like urdu shayari and stuff like that and poetry and i was like you know what when i got into university i was like maybe i should take this in another direction and use it to serve the alhamdulillah you know do something good with it maybe that's why I was given this talent so oh, that's sure. pretty much why I started doing poetry was to try to use this talent to serve um Allah and the alhamdulillah alayhi salam mashallah it's great trab really um it's it's a it's an honor man for for you to be uh with us um you know we learn so much from each other in this group um you know through the three of us and the other members of our group you know um who we will introduce in future episodes for sure um but you know nucky and i spoke about it that you know because of this group we've all improved immensely individually and you know it's a brotherhood as well right like uh is our, our prophet and our alhamdulillah have always pushed uh, you know unity amongst the brothers and if it's through the alhamdulillah if it's through this means then you know it can't get any better than that right so alhamdulillah we're very very blessed to be with this group and inshallah it'll grow right it's not going to just be us of course you know uh we're accepting applications i'm only kidding um no <laughs> you know just you know we we all we all love praising the alhamdulillah 
they all mean so much to us, right? I mean, that's of course, that's simplifying it to the lowest, lowest level, but that's the crux of it all, right? It's the love of the Ahlulbayt that brings us this close. And some of us go towards the Ahlulbayt in different means. You know, they become closer through different means of ibadah and worship. And for us, I think this is the way that we do it, right? Alhamdulillah. So, you know, uh, it's a pleasure for you to be with us today, inshallah. And, uh, and you know, we look forward to this, the discussion that we're going to have right now. So in regards to the discussion, um, you know, in our previous episode, we had mentioned that in upcoming, in upcoming episodes, we will be discussing different topics pertaining to poetry and how they relate to the Halbait. And uh, in today's episode, you know, we decided to discuss and dissect probably, I would say, the soul and the life of a poem, and that would be the metaphor, right? Um, you know, where we come up with our metaphors, how we derive them, and how we can relate them to those whom we love. And, you know, just to start today's, to, to, to start today's discussion, I can't even talk today. I don't know what's going on, but Maybe it's uh, maybe it's the weather. I don't know. But <laughs> to start the, uh, today's the discussion, I just want to discuss. Um, start off with a quote from a book that I've been reading. Uh, it's by John C. Goodman. Um, you know, it's called uh, "Poetry Tools and Techniques." And uh, for those who don't know John Goodman, you know, he's a very well-established writer and a poet. Um, he has two books of poetry. He's published um, a, a novel as well, and. He was uh, a nominee of a, a prize called the Pushcart Prize, which is an American literary prize in the U.S., which is highly respected for 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 your writing and, and for poetry and prose and novels and things of that nature. It's a very it's a very very esteemed award. So you know this guy knows his stuff. Um, so you know I thought that in his chapter about metaphor, it'd be good if we brought that up in the beginning. Um, and you know, in regards to the to his. Uh, in regards to what he says about metaphor, he says that exploring how language is used to communicate is the basis of poetry, right? The language, you know, what we use. However important the content, however important the content or message of a poem, it needs to be presented in rich, engaging language to be effective, right? What's really interesting about this book is that he says that, you know, it's good to have rich, and very, uh, you know, what's the word? engaging language to have a poem. But this book, like for those who've never read it, it's available on Amazon. I'll, I'll send the link in the description. Uh, it's very, ba it's very basic language that he explains poetry in, but says poetry needs to be in a very rich language. And he's right in two accounts because we need sometimes book. It's literally called a practical guide to writing engaging poetry. Like that's what it's called. And you need, and you need those kind of discussions, right? So you know. He says that, you know, we need engaging poetry, uh, engaging language to write about metaphors, right? And then he goes on to say, metaphor is one of our basic means of communication, right? This is, this is key here that I want to bring in. There are so many things that, can, that cannot be conveyed to another person without some kind of comparison, right? No one else can experience our inner emotional states. So the only way we can tell others how we feel is through an association with something that others can identify with, right? And he says that the more original the comparison, the more it will engage the reader. And that's honestly like, I don't know about you guys, but like for me, that's always been the challenge is to find that metaphor to discuss, you know, that your piece and make it, make it um, you know, readable for the reader to enjoy, 
what they're reciting and uh, sorry, what they're reading and for them to really understand what you're trying to say. Yes. You know, we talked about last time, a glimpse of what you want to, you want the, 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 the reader to know a glimpse of what you're thinking. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to lose them either and say, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Just let's move on. So, you know, I've spoken enough. I want to, I want to get your guys' thoughts. So Nucky, like, tell me, you know, when you're writing and mashallah, your, your, your metaphors are very deep in meaning. Tell me kind of what, metaphor means to you and how important it is in your pieces yeah like you mentioned earlier like uh, metaphor is often seen as the heart of the poem and that itself is a metaphor when we're using heart to compare yeah. uh heart of the poem itself um can't get away from it we can't get away from it <laughs> in fact like because because you mentioned we can't get away from it um there was a, a lecture i was listening to uh, and it was a professor of cognitive linguistics and he was mentioning how deeply ingrained metaphors are in our everyday language when we mm. speak to each other so for example even when we say things like time is money even mm. the verbs that we use to describe time will say mm. things like i'm spending time or i'm saving time or giving back yeah. time right? right so we we draw these such deep associations and mappings of mm. like you know connecting one domain uh, of expertise or knowledge to another domain mm. uh, it, it gets deeply ingrained in our mind so even when we say things like uh, this person is battling a disease, for example, right? Right. Um, and I think the powerful thing about it is that it adds layers of meaning. So there's that apparent me meaning. You might be talking about the actual, uh, the 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 first layer of whatever you're talking about, the literal thing that you're comparing it to. Mm -hmm. um, then there could be deeper levels of meaning, multiple deep layers of meanings that where, where a reader might have to draw the associations or draw the mappings in their own mind for what you're trying to get to. Um, mm -hmm. And I often find that it makes when you're when you're trying to describe or talk about something complex, it makes it a lot easier if you just compare it to something, and that that uh, parallel is drawn automatically. So right. that, that that classic saying, you know, that um, say or show, don't mm -hmm. tell, right? Where you right. you're showing something instead of saying something outright, as a matter of fact. Right. Um, I'll, I'll end it. I'll end my like piece and pass it over to Rob with this uh, one point where. Uh, my three-year-old son, he had asked, asked me at one point, like, you know, what does it mean when someone dies? Which was like a mm -hmm. very, very difficult question oh, when a three-year-old asked you, then how do you explain <laughs> it to them, right? <laughs> Thankfully, around the time, I was thinking a lot about metaphors. And right. so, I, I, like, automatically, this idea came to my head where I compared the seasons, right? Where spring is when the flowers start to sp uh, sprout and bloom, and then summer is when they're in full blossom. Right. Fall is when the leaves start to change color, they shrivel, they wrinkle, you know, mm. they're weaker they fall off the branches and winter is when you know the trees that don't have any more leaves or flowers on them anymore and right. often that's the power of a metaphor where you could explain such a deep and dark concept with something that's at the same time very beautiful right right uh, right yeah i wanted to get your thoughts also Turab. uh you use a lot of beautiful metaphors in your poetry as well maybe you could talk to us a little bit about how you come up with uh, come up with these metaphors or how do you think about metaphors when you're when you're trying to explain a concept or trying to uh, write a poem yeah sure um first of all you both you also have amazing metaphors just to put it out there you know like a lot of times when i find um i'm creating a new poem um, when it comes to metaphors the first thing i do is also i look at like my colleagues the people around me like how do you use a certain metaphor like how do, like for example you two both have pieces that discuss like a flower um for a certain imam or something like along those lines right um so i try to go through there and kind of validate myself if that makes sense like okay mm -hmm. this is an appropriate metaphor to use so i can use something along these lines to start off um also when it comes to the bait because 
mostly my poetry is just alphabet based. I don't do like any other poetry. So preaching to the choir, brother. That's all I was yeah. here, man. <laughs> we, we, like we talk, sorry, I'm gonna I don't mean to cut no, you no, off, man, but like 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 we talked about that before, right? Not in our first episode, we talked about like if we didn't have the alphabet, we don't know if we'd fall in love with poetry, you know. Otherwise, like I don't know if 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 the sun and the stars and the and the leaves and, and the sunset and the beach and the waves of the water would inspire me to write so much. I mean, I love those things, don't get me wrong, but I don't know if I would use that as an expression of love in my poetry. You know what I mean? So Alhamdulillah, we have the elevate for that. So yeah, I mean, you're preaching to the choir when you say that, brother. For sure. Yeah, man. For sure. Uh, or was that? Yeah. So coming Sorry. up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, this is good. This is good. Uh, I was going to say that when it comes to alphabet, I try to think of metaphors that are already created. For example, certain titles or metaphors themselves. So like you have Hazrat Abbas, you have Bunny Hashim, which would be the moon of Bunny Hashim, right. which was a reflection of his own, like his own beauty mm -hmm. um, to the moon. So that in itself is kind of like a, a metaphor. So that's something easy to work with. Um, another characteristic um, I'll try to go off of, it would be like their character or like how they, uh, what were they known for in a way? So for example, Bibi Zana would be known for her eloquence, like speaking in the court of Yazid. Um, so I try to compare her tongue as like Azul Fakar, as like Imam Ali, her own father. Right. So tongue was defending the faith, just like Azul Fakar defended the faith. So I try to go um, along those lines. I like to compare characteristics mm -hmm. uh, with certain personalities and try to go with metaphors like that, if that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. That makes total sense. I mean, that's that's kind of where we, we, where we create our base, right? Uh, their characteristics. Um, and then what we attempt to do is like... Mr. Goodman said in his book is that we try to be as original as possible, right? Because um, otherwise, like when, when you are, when you're trying to add your kind of piece into the whole puzzle of poetry, if I could say, um, you want your piece to be remembered, right? You know, if you become repetitious, it becomes a little tough to kind of for that piece to be remembered. And that's, and, and I fall that, I, 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 I'm in that same boat. Like whenever I think about a certain aspect, I just go, you know what? It's so hard to remove yourself from that aspect, from that certain metaphor and try to bring some originality that's never been brought before. That's such a huge test, man. It's so big. Like, I, I don't know. I can't really put that into words because when you talk about Karbala and when you talk about the Ahl Bayt, you talk about or any sort of occasion, whether outside of grief like Ghadir, for example or 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 you know mubahila or anything you are walking a fine line right you're walking a very fine line here you don't want to bring in something to compare them to that'll devalue them or or will be disrespectful to them of course their rank will always remain their rank it's you it's you who will be associated with that piece are you disrespecting them are you kind of bringing down their value right um, that's why, you know, when I, when you wrote about those four lines about Hazrat Allah Muhammad, you know, when you went to Karbala and mashallah, you're a part of that amazing uh, event where they brought in the new, uh, the Dari of, uh, Hazrat Allah, you were there. And of course that, that's inspiration right there. And then you brought in Hazrat Allah and Hazrat Muhammad being the pupils and the way that the eyes end up like that was very original and very new. And it was four lines. And, and Naki and I talked about this too. It's like, 
to have that message there in four lines is extremely difficult. And one thing that's amazing about your pizza is, is that you're able to master that. Like that's your forte. That's great. You know, and, and that's tough to, to master. And you've done that, a great job with that. When, when, when uh, Naki talks about, you know, I've mentioned sunflower so many times, I'm going to mention it again because that piece is so good or that very heartfelt piece he wrote about Bibi Sakina about the paintings and, and striking image and, and, and blue and just different colors. Or, you know, if I try to bring in a rose to talk about Imam Sajjad, like it becomes very tough uh, in, in my estimation. I don't know. Lucky, what do you think, man? Like, are you kind of in the same lines there or do you kind of like, you know, is it easy for you to find a metaphor now that, you know, you've kind of had more practice with it? Yeah, I think like you touched on a few, a few really good points. Like one, one thing is like, you know, metaphors really can elevate the poem, right? So one way of, of talking about Karbala in our poetry is just to like describe matters of facts. Mm -hmm. And that is one way of doing it. But I think if we really want to elevate it, using metaphors are really important. But coming up with an original metaphor becomes really difficult because it, oftentimes what we, uh, many poets might fall into is using those cliche metaphors yeah. that we always right. fall back into. And it kind of takes away from the right. poem then, right? Right. Um, right. One, one thing that I think that's worked for me uh, specifically in Mohadram, this Mohadram, I notice this a lot because of the fact that I've been thinking about Karbala and, and we're hearing Messiah constantly, we're hearing Nohas constantly in our ears. Um, mm -hmm. Anything that you experience, because you have that in the back of your mind, you're able to make new connections with things that you wouldn't usually connect. So one way of one way of coming up with metaphors is sitting down and saying, okay, I, this is the this is the event I want to write about. I'm going to think about metaphors one by one. One another way that I found to be pretty successful this Muharram is having Karbala at the back of your mind. And then you're going about reading some book or reading something else and making that connection. I'll give you an example. There was a book I was reading where they were talking about uh, David, right? Dawood, mm -hmm. Prophet Dawood, and how he, you know, melted uh, iron uh, with his uh, with his hands. And he was a small, he, you know, he was a small person against Goliath. He was a young person against mm -hmm. Goliath, who is, you know, this huge warrior. Mm -hmm. um, and I was listening to that story, but in my mind, I was thinking about Ali Asghar too. And my mind automatically was like, this is a great metaphor, the David versus Goliath, melting oh. iron with his hands. This would be great to be a poem for Azad Ali Asghar. Right. Um, I didn't end up writing that poem yet, but I was giving an example of how we could find metaphors in sometimes think places we we. we can't you're we don't on, expect them to be right you're on the clock uh, just letting you know for that piece now yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for sure it's, it's, it's in my notes of, of ideas that i have that i just haven't gone around <laughs> to yet um yeah yeah uh what do you oh. what do you think Durab? yeah yeah um i think you're very right about the point that you find inspiration in places you'd least expect it sometimes and honestly like i noticed that as well um and sometimes I'll find it in like mundane tasks as well. Like um, maybe not mundane, but I'm reading a book that's not Islamic, but I'll find inspiration in like a LeBron James book or something. And I'll be like, oh, look at his talent and hard work. And then how my mind will just jump and spiral and start thinking. And three, four thoughts later, I'm like thinking about the first line about this poetry, you know, like mm. I don't know how to explain it, but it just happens. I feel like as poets, you guys all know, like, our minds work a different way than others. And sometimes yep. like, alhamdulillah, we've, been, we've all been blessed with that as poets. And it just, it just happens sometimes, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. honestly, like, that's like, sometimes you're like, where did that come from? Like, I, like, 
I remember, you know, the days of Arba'in just passed and a lot of people went for Ziyadah. And uh, I asked a friend of mine, a very close friend of mine, are you going for Arba'in? Like, the where is assumed. Like, I don't need to ask where you're going. I know where you're going. And I'm like, that is just a connection of love right there with us and Imam Hussain, right? Like, you don't need to ask where. I know people now, alhamdulillah, they're going to Sham, and it's so good to see Sham open again. And I remember those years, like, late 2000s, early the, the 2010s, like, the influx of, 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 of Zaireen and Sham. And I'm glad to see that again. But right now, it's just, like... When you ask somebody where are you going for Arbain, you know automatically where they're going. Like you don't need to ask where, like it's a formality. And then there's like language of love and hearts and things of that nature. Like it's just, it's just amazing how one question kind of spiraled all these thoughts. It's just such a, a like you said, like a basic thought, a basic question, but it spiraled into something that kind of rejuvenated the hearts and it's like, Whoa. And, and when you have that whoa moment, it feels awesome, right, guys? Like, like yeah, you know what I mean? Like, sure, 100%. Like, oh, mashallah, alhamdulillah. And, and for one thing, you should always say alhamdulillah because that comes from them. You know, alhamdulillah, yeah. like, like for sure. Like, they, they say, you know, you're bestowed a thought or bestowed an idea from above. It's true because, like, poetry has been going on for so many years, like, for the Ahlul Bayt, like, for, for centuries. And people are still writing because literally it's an endless ocean and new thoughts after 1400 years are still appearing. How is that not a miracle? Right. How is yeah. that? Like, that's not, that's not from a basic human being, a, 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 an air filled human being, a sinful human being that comes from somewhere else. And that's from that wish of, you know, say the Fatima about her crying for her son, that, that all comes from there. That's just, that's just my idea there in regards to that. And one thing I just wanted to touch before we move on to our next segment, um, unless you guys have something else you want to add, then by all means, is we need to really um, differentiate between a metaphor and a simile, right? Because two, they're very alike, Where, but I think a metaphor kind of has a larger impact, right? Like in the book that I, that, I, that I quoted, he says that, like, for example, a simile is, Hatred is like a rabid dog, right? Similes, as we all know, uses the terms like or as, right? When you see like or as, it's a simile. The simile is hatred is like a rabid dog. The metaphor would be the rabid dog of hatred, right? Like that, and, and I feel like the metaphor, I mean, simile has its own space. Don't get me wrong. Like when you hear a piece and then a simile comes in, it's like, whoa, you know, it kind of, kind of, you know, takes you, it kind of takes your breath away but a metaphor just when you have that original thought and you surround that with your poem you know i just feel like it just has a has a bigger weight in regards to in, in comparison to a simile it yeah no, i totally agree yeah. uh, one one last thing i, I would say uh boss before we go to the next one is uh i you know sometimes of course you know we believe that we have that spiritual belief that um we have uh, inspiration from from above when it comes to writing about these personalities. But sometimes uh, I'm sure you guys have experiences as well where we just are stuck, right? We're not getting that inspiration. And I'm curious mm -hmm. to know what you guys do in that scenario. Uh, for me personally, one thing that has worked and maybe this is, might be beneficial to some of the listeners as well uh, is that I'll, I will think about an idea. For example, Imam Hussein being the only you know one left to fight against this large army. 
a concept and I'll just list out. I'll keep thinking about different metaphors, one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. Mm-hmm. And eventually one of them might resonate more with me. One of them I feel like I, I can I can go deeper into and it's something that uh, that is the best metaphor for this particular poem that I'm trying to write. Uh, but the side effect of that is that now I have a list of other metaphors that I could use for other poems often. And through this exercise of just thinking and com- coming up with metaphors, mm. your idea might refine further and further and further. And you're left with a, a metaphor that's really well um, thought out. Uh, what yeah. do you guys th- have? Have you guys experienced something similar? And have you guys, what do you guys do when you don't get that inspiration? Yeah, uh, I chime in real quickly and pass on to Abbas Bay. Um, it's, it's funny because like poets really do think alike sometimes. We're so unique, but there's a lot of similarities. And what you just said is literally the same thing that I do as well. Like, I think you might have recommended this to me as well. Um, but when I'm stuck, for example, I have a certain topic I'm going to write about. So, for example, Imam Ali, right? I'll start off with all Imam Ali like based verses. But if I notice that the lines are like rhyming or the metaphors aren't hitting, I'll just think of other topics that are Arabic related, and I'll just start like, listing, listing, listing. Same thing, and then eventually, I'll go into that flow state again. And when that flow state just comes, I'm going back to the topic of my money and I'm like, okay, yeah, now my mind is sharper. So I'm just going to keep going with this. And whatever I wrote before is a separate topic. So it's crazy how like we think right. alike. You know? it's, it's wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, we're all like, it's like we're all inside each other's heads over here, man. And then I think the other, <laughs> the other, uh, if there's any other poets that are listening and watching, then I think they would agree as well. I think, yeah, I think, I think a lot of us, and we'll, we'll dissect, you know, writer's block in a future in a future episode for sure but i think a lot of us get that where we're just kind of blanked out and we're like oh my god we're stuck for me personally it's very important not to force things right Mm. you don't want to just write for the sake of writing yeah of course writing for the sake of writing is always great don't get me wrong but when you want to improve yourself and you want to get better as a writer um you know you don't want to accept mediocrity right you don't want to accept a piece where like you want to move forward i think is what i'm trying to say you want to improve yourself in every piece right like i I don't know about you guys but again maybe it's the same thought but like if you pick up a piece i know for me if i pick up a piece that i wrote around six years ago compared to now i'm like i don't even recognize the writer who wrote this like when i I, you know what i mean Uh, because like alhamdulillah because we love this this art so much that the skill so much that we try to master it as much as we can and so if i'm facing something like that um you know i just accepted saying that you know what maybe it just wasn't meant to write this time and i do i kind of maybe I, I i i try to move on um and if something comes to me alhamdulillah you know i'm, I'm thankful and, and it moves on alhamdulillah like i mean i have written things you know, to use basketball analogies, throb at the buzzer, right? Like a game-winning piece, where it's like, like for example, Arbaeen, like I, I was struggling, man. I, I don't know why. Um, I was hearing different pieces, and Alhamdulillah, they're beautiful. Um, but you know, again, it goes back to that discussion of originality, right? You want to grab something that maybe something somebody hasn't written before. So uh, it happened, Alhamdulillah. Um, but you know, I was a little scared, to be honest. Um, Cause I was like, is this going to happen or not? And if it didn't happen, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. You don't want to force things because if it doesn't work this time, the next event, you know, don't worry. Those who you write for will help you inshallah. So, uh, you know, to answer your question, Naki, 
Uh, I don't force it. Um, if if I'm really in a in a in a jam and I really need to write something, I always read first. I read like I I will I'll read something that's not Islamic. Like I'll read something outside of of uh, of the Alhubayt to give me motivation to write for them, to grab a piece uh, or a metaphor to write for them. Um, but again, like I don't want to force it. That's 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 my main point. Don't force if it doesn't if it's not there. So, um, so yeah. With that said, uh, I think it's good to dissect the poem right now. Um, I think it's good to kind of read a poem and and see what the metaphors were used and see what meaning we derive from it. So, Naki, I'll, I'll take it. To, I'll, I'll I'll hand it over to you. All right. So the poem I've selected uh, is a poem by Tahir Adil, and it's called mm -hmm. uh, "The Hearts of Prophets." So he goes. Uh, through each prophet, and he writes a stanza about uh, their heart. I'm going to read only the final stanza about our uh, beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And the poem is: His heart is an ark placed on land and sea, as far as a name would reach, and those who seek would find him a promised land of faith and belief, and his blood sacrificed like doves of peace while his name is resurrected in every heartbeat subhanallah subhanallah beautiful one of the Beauty. things you yeah. go first Naki. one of the things i i really liked about this particular stanza um and i think if you read all the other stanzas and then come to this stanza it definitely hits differently mm. um because i think the central theme that i that i get out of this is in each line, you can see one of the metaphors that is used for the other prophets. Mm -hmm. um, and and the central theme is, you know, Prophet Muhammad is the successor of all the prophets. And he's sort of inhibiting all these different characteristics, all these different traits that he's describing in the hearts of the other prophets or the um, um, or, or the themes that he's using in the in the in the stanza for the other prophets. Mm -hmm. um, any particular metaphors here that really stands out for you guys? Trab. Yeah, sure. Um, when you when you mentioned uh, how he relates uh, the other prophets in his own kind of unique way, I just realized like how he said that. Uh, let me read it. His heart is an ark placed on land and sea. That's relating back to the Noah uh, prophet new section. I didn't even realize that actually until you, you mentioned it. Uh -huh. So it's like he's creating a metaphor out of his own poem, if that makes sense. That's, that's really cool. I've never seen that before. Um, one thing, one thing I was gonna say, Turab, about the uh, the line about the ark that there's the multiple layers of 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 a metaphor here, right? The ark itself represents salvation, right? So talking about salvation, we're also relating it to Prophet Nu, um, and in this one in particular, he says an ark placed on land and sea. So essentially, land and sea covers the entire world, right? So he's Ramatan al Alamin. He's sent for the entire world. So this is metaphor upon metaphor in in in, in even within the same line uh yeah. basbay uh want to want to throw it to you sure I'll, I'll give it a shot um so one thing that really popped out of for, for me was just the first uh the first line and this is hadith actually which talks about the alubayt or like to sell the ark of noah right the ark of nu the alubayt are just like that because their salvation so I like how he brought that hadith into this piece and how he first started off with, with Prophet Nuh and then he brought himself to uh, our Holy Prophet. And then he and then he kind of like 
he he brought in that hadith while at the same time talking about nu right like like it was such a it was such a a, a flawless flow within his piece of the different prophets and he was able to uh, dissect and bring in a hadith which talked about prophet noah prophet nu with rasul khuda so it's it's it, that that part was done very very well and one thing though is was amazing was as far as a name would reach and he goes uh, a promised land of faith and belief and his blood sacrificed like doves of peace while his name is resurrected in every heartbeat like those who were on the ark of nu were saved those who were not on the ark were destroyed right and those who were on that ark as long as they stayed on that ark they were safe they were okay they listened to the command of god right and the name rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the same way the more you're attached to him the more safe you will be the more okay you will be when you are with him so that metaphor that he brought in with the hadith is 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 actually perfect because that is exactly what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said the ark of salvation is and that's exactly what the ahlul bayt are for us and for nur himself like he needs to be with the ahlul bayt for his for his salvation as well and they say that yeah. the five names of the of the of of the of the Ahlul Kisa were on that were on that ark as well. So that's that, that that'll probably be another discussion for another day. But their names were there, right? Yeah. And for him to tie that in as a mode of peace and, and safety and salvation and success. Those who were not in on the ark drowned in that flood, right? Those who are with Rasulullah Khuda will not drown, will not drown. They'll yeah. still be saved. Because that's exactly what the Ahlul Bayt do. They save you from drowning. So again, it's just one 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 line after another in this as well. And his name is resurrected in every heartbeat. Meaning that those, if you feel like those who have passed, you know, if you connect yourself with him in your heartbeats, his name will make you last. So kind of you know those, it's it's a very deep piece that that you know probably has its own discussion. But I think. I think, you know, that's kind of the crux of the meaning that I find in Tahir. If you're listening by any chance, and if I'm way off, please forgive me. <laughs> please forgive me, brother. <laughs> but this is kind of, you know, uh, at first glance, this is kind of the meaning that I took. from it. One thing I, I found interesting while you were reading the last part, I think, and it could be just me uh, reading into it, but when he says, uh, and his blood sacrifice like doves of peace while his name is resurrected in every heartbeat i think the his blood sacrifice like doves of peace could even represent imam hussein here mm -hmm. um, yeah. right because it's his blood his blood is his mm -hmm. children his grandchildren imam hussein mm -hmm. and they're the ones who were sacrificed um and yeah. while his name is resurrected in every heartbeat, it could it could be pointed to both Prophet Muhammad yeah. they, they say Muhammad well is, is Safina to Nijar, right? So yeah, that's the Ark of Salvation. So absolutely, absolutely. E even the, the you know the mention of promised land mm -hmm. of faith and belief, it's it's amazing. You know, like how how the different we're talking about layers of metaphors. Like the promised land is like this hope that everyone's waiting for, and we know that Prophet Muhammad was mentioned in all the previous books and people waiting for him 
Um, similar to how you know the Bani Israel was looking for the promised land, researching for the in wait of the promised land. Mm -hmm. So yeah, be beautiful how how uh, how much you could do with just using metaphors, right? Well, and now that you interpretations and meanings. Exactly. Now that you brought your mom was saying that gave me another thought. When you talk about promise, promised land of faith and belief, everybody was in Karbala right now, right? For Arbaim. The this the ark takes you to Karbala, I feel like, because that's the promised land of faith. Like that is the land of salvation. Imam Hussein's haram is the is the place of salvation. And Rasul Khuda, who was whose religion was saved from Imam Hussein, takes you to his grandson. And that's why we've been talking. He's, maybe that's why he talked about blood and he talked about the salvation, the, the uh, Rasulullah Khuda's the, being the ark takes you to the promised land, which could be Karbala, right? Which could be Karbala, which is the land of hope, which is, like you said, land of hope. Karbala is there. And maybe, you know, that's where everyone gets their salvation. I mean, it's not that that is where they get their salvation. But what I'm trying to say is that when you sit on that ark of Rasulullah Khuda, he takes you to his grandson who saved his religion so. maybe even the resurrection portion as well now you know we brought up my own saying like everything's changing now you know like i'm seeing uh the line yeah. <laughs> like those of peace while his name is resurrected in every heartbeat like when you say you're also saying Muhammad because if you want close with the mom saying you're going to be close to prophet Muhammad peace upon him you know so it's so much it's like the more you read this like the more you learn and this could be a topic on its own, honestly, for a whole podcast, a poem like this. Yeah. I'll like, uh, there's, there's a hadith. Exactly. I was I was just going to mention that hadith. Um, I think that's the power, of, I guess, maybe to wrap it up. Like, that's that's kind of the, the power of the metaphor, right? Where we are able to draw so much more than maybe even what the writer intended. Because mm -hmm. the fact that the metaphor has so much that you could read into, right? Like, when yeah. you're making these connections between these two things. Yeah. You can take you could there's no limit to how far you could take that those that comparison between those two things. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's layers. that's kind of what we did here. Yeah, peeling yeah. the layers, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So with that said, uh, uh Turab, you know, um you're with us here today and we thank you for your time. Uh, before we close out, um, I think we'd like to hear a piece from you. Um, you know, you being such an exquisite poet, mashallah, you know, please share your talent uh with with the rest of the with the rest of us, with our listeners, with our viewers. And please share a piece of yours, please. Yep. Let me just pull it up real quick. No problem. No problem. Get a little bit of water. Sorry, man. After Ziara, my cough has just been it's been crazy. But yeah. no, mashallah, may may Imam Hussein salam accept your ziyara, inshallah, and and Thank the work that you did for you know building that new dari for salam that that blessing and that that is not given for everybody, mashallah. And you were very very, very lucky to do that. So. All your efforts that you did in Ziyadat, you know, for those whom for those whom you did it for, may they accept it, inshallah. Alhamdulillah, inshallah. I made sure to remember all of you guys in there as well. Thank so, you. Yeah. So this piece, I've actually posted uh the first kind of stanza of it. Um, just the four lines on my uh Instagram. Mm. But I expanded onto it to be more of a spoken word. So it's called Fatima's Greatest Tragedy. So it's coming from the uh, perspective of Bibi Fatima Islam. Mm -hmm. uh, her take on Karbala. So, with your permission, Bismillah. Bismillah. Okay. I have come to console you, but where do I start? When bits of your body have been torn apart, where can I find you to give you my love? Mm -hmm. What's left of your body to hug? Mm -hmm. My ribs were broken, so were yours. 
I remember when you crawled on all fours, you and Hassan Zainab too. Oh, light of my eyes, what have you been through? If only my Hassan could dress his Qasim, if only Zainab was not left alone, if only my aunt and Muhammad grew old, this was the prophecy my father foretold. The same nail that pierced my skin led to the arrow in Abbas's water skin. I tried to fill your cup when the water hit the sand with my tears that streamed from the heavens to your hand. When they trampled your body, it wasn't just one. They trampled over Muhammad's blood. The same Ummah that claimed our love trampled my heart, Hussein, my love. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Very, very vivid imagery and heartbreaking lines. May I maybe give very you a reward deep. for this. I mean, inshallah. Very deep, very deep, mashallah. Like, 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 like you said, the imagery was there. And uh, we will touch on imagery in future episodes. But, you know, you can kind of close your eyes and, and, your words came to life inside inside of our minds, mashallah, man. And that that's that's what we do as poets, right? We try to draw a picture with our words. Instead of using a paintbrush, we use a pen. And mm -hmm. mashallah, you did it very well. May Imam Hussain accept your peace, inshallah, and inside the Fatima, inshallah, as well. Inshallah. With that, uh, we'd like to end today's episode. Uh, we'd like to thank all of you for watching and listening. Uh, Turab, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank and, you. Uh, no problem at all. Thank you so much for taking your time. Um, so this is another episode of the Poets of the Household podcast. Please remember to follow us on Instagram at Poets of the Household and subscribe to our YouTube page. Thank you very much for joining us. Until next time.